We are continuing on in our sermon series, Seven Scriptures Every Christian Needs to Know. We have looked at five passages so far, and we are going to look at number six. And this morning, we are going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Short little passage today, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. This is a good one if you ever have to memorize a passage. You might want to put a bookmark on this one. This one in Jesus wept. That's a good one too. Those are, those are easy to memorize. But this is a good one. It's easy to memorize and it is a good passage for us to remember as Christians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning, and I pray, God, that you just hide me behind the cross, that you would help me to do a good job, that your Holy Spirit would just take over, that you would open my mouth to speak the words that you want your people to hear. And I pray that you open all of our ears and minds, dear Lord, to hear your word. God, I pray that our faith is in you this morning. God, maybe there are some who have not put their faith in you. God, maybe there are some this morning and their faith is weak. I pray that you would strengthen our faith, that we would remain faithful to you, that we would keep the faith, dear Lord. And I pray, God, that you just would let today be be your day, God, that you get our mind off of the things of the world and the worries of the world and distractions of the world. Help my mind to focus, dear Lord. Take away any worries or fears or pride I may have as I preach and teach and God I pray that all of us would come to you with a heart that wants to grow in you and hear what you have to say and I ask these things in Jesus name amen Amen. for we walk by faith not by sight now this is important for us to remember that we walk by faith and not by sight because what do we see If I were to ask you guys to write down on a sheet of paper one thing you see, it is likely I would get a lot of different answers. Now, I'm not talking about I see a tree, I see a pew, I see a ceiling tile. That's not what I'm talking about. But when we look out into this world, what do we see in our world? We would come up with a variety of different things. We see evil. We see Hatred, we see violence, we see fear, we see death. Those are the bad things. Now, we may see good things, too, that we may mention. We see love, we see friends and family, we see a God who is good to us, we see beautiful creation. We see those things, and we may list those things, but the good things don't really test our faith. It's the hard things that really test our faith. It's when we look out into the world and we see the evil and we see the pain and we see the suffering and we see the heartache and we see the hardships that we go through and the hardships that others go through. And it seems so unrelenting, the hardships, right? It just, it's like being in the ocean with waves that just keep coming and keep pounding you. Maybe some of you have been in the ocean before. 
and big waves come and one knocks you down and as you try to get up another wave comes and and it pounds you and and a lot of times in our life that's what it feels like both to us and to our world and to those around us it seems like that the bad things are unrelenting and we see the suffering and we see the pain and we see death and and maybe it rattles our faith even for those who are strong in the Lord there have been many a strong Christian who thought that they were ready to withstand anything, but yet the blows of life have a way of, of really knocking us down. Maybe sometimes the blows of life and the things we see, if we're honest, may shake our faith a little bit. Perhaps even at times may cause us to question God or be angry with God. God, why? God, why do you let this happen? God, why do you allow the suffering? Why do you allow the evil? Why do you allow the pain, God? There are good people in this world that are hurting. There are people that are struggling. And we see these things of the world that really, you know, pile on to us and they get tough. And things that we go through on our own life. God, why do you allow this to keep happening? God, why don't you help me? And it's times like those that really cause us to see whether or not our faith is going to withstand. And so we have verses like these that are a reminder that we walk by faith and not by sight. Because if we live by only what we could see and there was no better hope, man, that would be bad. If all we had to look forward to was what we see, Every one of us would give up. We would all give up. I couldn't blame you. I'd give up. If all that I see in this world is all that there is, man, we're in a bad place. But the Bible gives us this reminder that we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, in the context of this passage, he's talking about death and and, and, and moving toward a better life, leaving this old world and all of its struggles and hardships and moving on to a better life in Christ for all of eternity. And we look forward to that better day. And so we walk by faith. But what is faith? If we walk by faith and not by sight, we need to know what faith is. Well, thankfully, the Bible gives us a great definition of that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. So we have the things that we see, but what faith is, is this the hope for what we don't see. It's what we are hoping for, something better. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for. And so we see all the bad, but we hope that there's something better than what this world has to offer. Now, generally speaking, when we talk about faith, faith is what is hoped for, generally something good. Well, we can have faith in a lot of different ways. There are many people in the world who are not Christians who have faith. They long for something better. They don't see something better. There's something bad going on in their life 
but they, but they want something better. They have faith something better is going to come. And so people can have faith in a lot of things. Those who are in Jesus Christ have faith that when we leave this old world, when we leave this life, we will go to a better life. In eternity with Jesus Christ, in eternity with our Lord, where there will be no more sickness and heartache and pain. And we don't see that. We don't see that place. We don't see heaven. We don't see God and Jesus at the right hand of God. We don't see that in a physical sense. It is unseen to us. But it is what we hope for. It is what our faith is in. Many people have faith in a lot of different things. But there's only one saving faith. There's only one faith that will indeed lead us from something bad the evil that we live in in this world, to something good in eternity with Jesus Christ. There's only one faith that is a saving faith, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. And so a lot of people have faith in a lot of things. A lot of people have faith that when they leave this world, they will go to a better place, but their faith in this world is not in Jesus And so their faith is not a saving faith. But when we talk about faith here in Scripture, when we talk about this definition in Hebrews, when we talk about the reality of what is hoped for, that that is faith, the faith that Scripture talks about, the faith that Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, is a faith in Jesus Christ. We hope for something better because we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We don't see the better. We don't see Jesus in a physical sense. But our faith is that everything that Jesus said is true. Our faith is that when God said in the Old Testament he was going to send a Messiah to deliver his people, and Jesus came and was that Messiah, and Jesus says, I have prepared a place for you, and I'm coming back for you, and one day I will be with you, and you will be with me. We have faith that what God said is true, and what Jesus said is true. And our faith is, is that one day we will be delivered from our pain, and from our suffering, and from the heartache, and from the death, and from the evil that we see in this world. And so we must remember the words of Paul. We walk by faith, and not by sight. We have to look past the things of the world and say, God, I don't understand all that's going on, but God, I trust you because I know what you're doing is right. I have faith, God, that you are right. God, even though it's difficult, even though I may be angry at you sometimes, God, even though I may sometimes question you, God, I have faith in you. I have faith in your way. I have faith in Jesus. So God, help me to walk by that and not by what I see. God, I don't see you. I see a bunch of evil in the world. But God, I trust your word. I have faith in you, God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 tell us something that we need to know about faith. We see 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It says, walk by faith. Okay. Maybe you're saying, all right, I want to walk by faith, but, but how do I walk by faith? How do I know if I'm walking by faith? Well, here's the thing about faith. For faith to be genuine and for it to be determined that faith is genuine, faith must be tested. 
it's easy for us to say, oh yeah, I, I, I believe in this or I believe in that or I'll do this and I'll do that. And we may say that about things in our life. But when the going gets tough, do we stick by what we say? That's how we know if our faith is genuine or not. Whether it stands the test. And we are tested all the time in our faith because of the things that we see and experience. We may be tempted to say, you know what, God, I don't, I don't trust you anymore. I don't believe you. There are many people who once had faith in Jesus Christ and no longer have faith in Jesus Christ. Was their faith genuine? When the going got tough, many people's faith didn't carry them through. When we go to weddings, boy, we see people at weddings, husbands and wives, and what's well, a happy day. You probably are dressed as good as you will ever be dressed. You look as good as you will ever look. Everybody who loves you the most is there. They are all supporting you. They are showering you with gifts. You are going to eat probably the best feast that you will eat in your life. And that is a good day. And you stand there in front of everybody and, and the pastor says, Do you take him? Do you take her? For better or for worse, till death do us part. Oh, yeah. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, on that day because it's the best possible day of your life. And so the testing of your vows is not obvious in that moment. It's easy to be with your spouse in that moment. It's the best day of your life. But as marriages progress, there are tough times. There are difficult times. Times that test you as a man and test you as a woman. And that's when it's difficult, right? When you are really tested and you are really stretched and things are really difficult, then you think back to those vows, for better or for worse, till death do us part. Are you going to stand by those vows? Are you going to stand by your marriage covenant? Are you going to stand by your commitment? Are you going to head out and say it's too tough? You see, we don't know if the commitments we make, we don't know if our faith will withstand unless it is tested. And God allows us to be tested in a lot of ways. And it's to bring forth the genuineness of our faith. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, he says, you rejoice in this. Well, what is the this he's been talking about? Well, similar to 2 Corinthians 5. He's talking about a better life. We see the death and the heartache and the sorrow and all these things, but we put our faith in something better, and we rejoice in this. We rejoice in Jesus Christ, the something better that our hope is in. And then he says, though now for a short time you have had to struggle in various trials so that the genuineness of your faith more valuable than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful passage. Peter says, look, you go through all the suffering in this world, but don't worry. Rejoice in Jesus Christ. He says you have to suffer for a little while. You struggle for a short time. Now we live in this world and if we make it to 75, 80, that's pretty good. 
We make it past that. That's really good. Sometimes you get people make it to 90 or 100 years old, praise the Lord. But in the grand scheme of things, even that's a short time. Isn't it amazing how fast life goes by as we get older? Man, when I was seven, eight years old, it seemed like a year took an eternity. And man, now as, as I'm beginning to age, I realize just how fast life goes by. I look back at the last 38 years and they have gone so fast. And I know the next 38, Lord willing, if I live that long, will go by just as fast, even faster. And one day I'll wake up and I'll be old and I'll say, where did the time go? Has any, have any of y'all ever done that before? Has anybody ever woken up and all of a sudden you say, wait a minute, where has the time gone? Where has my life gone? 60, 70, 80 years have gone like that. Our time is so short. And Peter recognizes that and he says, look, Rejoice in Jesus. Put your faith and your hope in Jesus and rejoice in that. Because you have had to struggle in various trials so that the genuineness of your faith may result in praise. So we go through these trials. What are these trials for? To test the genuineness of our faith. It's easy for everybody to say, oh, yeah, I love the Lord. Oh, yeah, I love God. I'll do anything for God. Will you? Come to church, sit on a pew, air conditioner's blowing good, pretty comfortable for the most part. Well, it's easy to do that for the Lord, but what if God calls you to do something more? Go to a dangerous place. Do something that makes you feel uncomfortable. Do something where people may attack you verbally or physically where your life may be on the line where you have to sacrifice your comforts well are you really willing to stand for the Lord is, is your faith in the Lord that good or would you say well yeah I love God but not that much well if you do then guess what you fail the test your faith is not very genuine but Peter says look you will go through hard times but don't give up Put your hope in Jesus, rejoice in Jesus, and know that these trials you're going through, that they're testing your faith, and if you withstand the trial, oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good thing. And we see similar language in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, 2 through 4. He says, Consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience very various trials. Well, that's a tough verse, right? Consider it joy when you're experience trials why in the world should we consider it a joy when we experience trials well thankfully james tells us that knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete lacking nothing so why do we rejoice in our trials because James says that the testing of our faith produces endurance. When we go through difficult times, when we say, God, even in the midst of my hardship, I am going to trust you, it makes us better men and women. It makes us the men and women that God wants us to be. We can endure by the strength of God. And so we see this theme, we see this same type of language over and over again in Scripture, that our faith 
is going to be tested. We want to pass the test. We want to be prepared for those things knowing that they will come. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Peter acknowledges this. You are going to have hardships. You are going to have hard times. But Peter says, look, don't be surprised. Know this ahead of time. Know that these things are going to come ahead of time to test you. We have to be tested. That's what separates those who have faith in God from those who do not have faith in God. It's not just verbally saying, God, I have faith in you. Lord Jesus, I put my faith in you. It is not just words that we say. It is, it is an action that we do. It is how we live our life. Our faith is shown when it is tested. And a faith that is untested, well, there's no way to know if it's a real faith or not. And so we must be tested. The genuineness of our faith is tested. We see similar language in Psalm chapter 66, verse 10. It says, For you, God, tested us. You refined us as silver is refined. Now, we see that illustration used in a couple of spots in Scripture. All right, God tests us. He refines us. What's that testing period compared to? The refining of silver or the refining of gold, which what happens in the refining of these materials? They are heated up so that the impurities will rise, so that they can be separated from the good. You don't want a bunch of silver and a bunch of gold that's got a bunch of impurities and ugly little spots and specks. And it makes it look bad. It makes it where it's not as strong. And so those impurities have to be removed. And Psalm 66 says that God tests us in that way, that sometimes we have to go through the fires of life. Well, what do those fires of life do? They, they help us to endure. They help strengthen us in the Lord, but they also help remove the impurities that are there. What do we do when the hardships come in life? Well, hopefully we pray to the Lord. Hopefully we seek God and say, God, this is really difficult. And as we begin to seek God and we begin to read his word and we say, God, I trust you, it's hard. Well, guess what? Our faith begins to grow. God may even begin to reveal things to us as we are tested. We may sometimes fail the test. God may test us in certain ways and we may fail that test and we may feel ashamed and we may feel guilty and we may feel burdened and we may say, man, God, I have really failed you. And what do we do? We do what we talked about last week. Hopefully, we are like David, Psalm 51, 17. And we say, God, I come before you with a broken spirit and a humble heart. That's good when we get to that spot. We realize the impurities, a.k.a. sin in our life, and God uses those tests, which we sometimes fail, to help us know that we need to trust him more and we need to get rid of those things out of our life. Similar language again in Proverbs 17, 3. A crucible for silver and a smelter for gold. And the Lord is the tester of our hearts. And so God allows things to happen in our life to see if we are going to remain faithful to him. He knows, but maybe he allows it to happen so we'll know. Maybe we think our faith is strong. And there's some test that we go through. 
And we realize in that moment, okay, God, my faith is not as strong as it should be. God, forgive me. God, help me to have faith in you. And God uses those little tests perhaps to prepare us for bigger tests that are going to come. Maybe God knows what's going to be happening in your life in 5, 10, 20, 30 years. And maybe the little tests that you're going through now are preparing you for the big test. Maybe you got pretty good faith right now. Praise the Lord. But maybe God knows something's coming in your life that's going to be very tough. And pretty good faith ain't going to get it. You need rock-solid faith. And so when you go through hardships and when you see hardships, just say, okay, God, this is tough, but strengthen my faith. Don't let me fail the test. Let me, let me go through these things and let these things refine me and help me to overcome the impurities in my life, the sin in my life, and God help these things to transform me into something better and build my faith into a stronger faith that you want me to have. A good example of this type of testing is found in Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, Jesus is not long from being nailed to the cross and he's meeting with his disciples and he tells his disciples something and we see Peter's response in the, in the conversation here in Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now, we don't see the word test there. Well, some translations, I think, do use the word test. But the sifting like wheat that Satan is going to do to Peter... And to all the, 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 the disciples, it would appear in the, in, in the original language that Satan was not just asking to, to, to sift Peter, but all the disciples. But Jesus knew what was going to happen to Peter. And he said, look, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Jesus said, you are going to be tested. The devil is going to test you. But what is... Jesus, know is going to overcome that test of faith and that failure of the test of faith. It's going to be faith. That Peter's faith is what's going to help him overcome that test. Now, if you don't know the story, Peter failed the test. Peter's faith was tested. Peter said, oh, no, I will never, I will never deny you, Jesus. Jesus said, oh, yeah, you're going to deny me. Satan's going to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail so that when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. When you have turned back. That's interesting language. Jesus knew what Peter was going to do. He knew Peter was going to turn away from him in that moment. And Peter did just that. He saw those people around as Jesus was going through his mock trial, and they were preparing to nail Jesus to the cross. They'd see Peter, hey, you're one of his. You know, oh, no. And three times Peter denied Jesus. And oh, the sorrow and the sadness that Jesus must have felt. Even though he knew it, I suspect, I don't know this, Jesus probably was saddened by that. The sadness that Peter must have felt in that moment. He was so strong, he knew 
He was confident that his faith would not fail. He was confident that he would not deny Jesus. He was confident that he would die with Jesus if he had to. Until, that is, the going got tough. And then he wasn't so confident anymore. Then, without even thinking, a man who was so sure of himself in the moment denied Jesus Christ. He was tested by Satan and he failed the test. But not for good. He failed the test in the moment. But Jesus said, I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. It failed in that instance, but it didn't fail in total. He said, and when you, when you turn back, strengthen, you, strengthen those with you. And in that instant, Peter recognized that he had denied Jesus. And at the end of John chapter 21, oh, what a joyous day that must have been for Peter when he saw Jesus and swam to shore to be with Jesus. And Jesus said, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Do you love me, he said. Yes, I love you, Peter said. He was restored. His faith failed in an instant. But you know what that test did for Peter? It refined him. It prepared him for something better that was coming. Peter wasn't willing to stand by Jesus when he was on trial but what about after Peter was restored? Where was he at? Was he hiding? No way. He was right at the forefront, being imprisoned for the gospel of Jesus Christ. <coughs> Why? Because his faith had been tested and he passed the test. Even though he failed in the moment, he knew what he needed to do. His heart was broken. His spirit was crushed. But he was restored by Jesus. And now his faith was what it needed to be to do the work of God. You see, Peter and the rest of the disciples were to carry on the work of Jesus. But Peter wasn't quite ready. He thought he was. He thought he was ready to die. But it's only after he was tested that he truly was ready. He was ready to die. He was ready to stand for the Lord because his faith had been strengthened. So perhaps our stories are not so different. Maybe you have been tested in the same way that Satan asked God if he could test Job and tested Peter. Perhaps Satan is testing you a little bit today too. But guess what? Even though Job may have failed a little bit. Peter may have failed a little bit. They recognized in their sinfulness and their failure where they needed to turn to and that they needed to call out to the Lord. And they did. And what a beautiful restoration both experienced. And it made them better men. And it will happen to you and I as well. Perhaps you have failed in your faith this week, this year, 50 years ago. Well, maybe you just need to repent and say, okay, God, I've really struggled. I feel that my faith is being tested right now. God, help me to trust you in the midst of my struggles. 
Make me a better man. Make me a better woman. God, restore me. And God, I don't get it. God, it's tough what I see and what I'm going through. But let my faith be strong in you. And so our faith is trusting in something better that we cannot see. How do we know we have faith? Well, one, it is tested, and hopefully we pass the test. If you go to school and you take a, a class, how do you know if you know the material or not? Well, at the end of the semester, your teacher gives you a test. If you know the material, you'll pass the test. If you fail the test, guess what? It means you probably didn't know the material. Well, in a similar way, we are tested with all the things that we go through. Hopefully we pass those tests, and when we fail those tests, hopefully we seek the Lord. We know that we have faith when it is tested, and we overcome those struggles that we go through. Another way that we can know we have faith is by our works. James chapter 2, verse 18 says, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith from my works. Now, we don't work to gain salvation or to gain God's grace. But James says if we are those who have faith in God, it will show itself in works. And so we need to look at our life and say, okay, I say I have faith in God, but does that show in the way I live my life, in the works that I do for the Lord, in the way that I love other people? That's how one way we can know if our faith is genuine or not. If we say we have faith, but it is not accompanied by any kind of works, well, then it's likely that our faith is not genuine. So what do we do with the things that we've discussed and what we've talked about today? Well, we can look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, and it says, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you yourselves not recognize that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you fail the test. We must look at our lives. We must look at ourselves. We are, we are indeed tested by the things that are around us, but Scripture says that we need to test ourselves. We need to examine ourselves. We need to say, God, am I really in the faith? Now, this is not a doubting of your salvation. This is not, Paul's not calling you to doubt your salvation. He's just calling you to make sure that you know. Make sure that you know you're in the faith. Make sure that you're not just offering lip service and saying, Oh, God, I have faith in you, but really look at yourself. Really test yourself. The only way you can fail the test is if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ. If you're not trusting in Jesus Christ, you have failed the test. But if you test yourself and maybe you begin to look at your life and say, Okay, God. There are some areas where I failed, God, forgive me. God, there are some areas where I hope you can make me stronger, where I'm not doing the things I should do or living the way I should live. Well, praise the Lord. If you say, Lord Jesus, I really trust you. I want to live for you. I want to be like you. Well, praise the Lord. If we have faith in Jesus Christ, we have passed the test. But if we test ourselves and we say, man, I really don't trust Jesus. I don't know if I really trust Jesus. There's nothing in my life that shows that I really trust Jesus. My works don't show that I trust Jesus. I'm more worried about the things of the world than I am trusting in a Jesus who's going to deliver me from them. 
And maybe some of you test yourselves today and you fail the test. If you fail the test, praise the Lord. You can retake the test. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to the test. If you, if you, if you take the test and say, man, I have failed the test, that's because you didn't know the right answer. But the right answer is Jesus. If you put your faith in Jesus, if you live for Jesus, if you work for Jesus, you will pass the test. And once you have put your faith in Jesus, remember the words of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. Lord, life is difficult. Life is tough. God, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand what's going on. But God, I trust you. God, I have faith in you. God, let these tests of my faith make me into a better man, into a better woman. Refine me, God. Remove the impurities. Help me to trust you so that I can be able to stand whatever may come my way. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for these good words. And I pray, God, that if there's one in this room that does not have faith in Jesus Christ, that they would today. Maybe they come to church a lot. Maybe, God, they test themselves and they really begin to look and reflect in their life and they they may realize that they really don't trust Jesus. Maybe their faith is not in Jesus. I pray that today it would be. God, I pray for all of us in here that see all the hardships and the struggles and the pain of the world, dear Lord. And I pray that you help us not to, not to doubt you, God, not to let our faith be shaken, not to let our faith dwindle away, dear Lord, but that our faith would be restored. God, when we sin, let our faith be restored. Let us come to you in the same way that Peter was restored. God, let us be restored. God, I pray that our faith would result in, in works. God, that we would be about your works. That we don't ever do it to be praised or to boast so that we can say how good our works are, God. We don't do that. We don't want to do that. That's not what you call us to. But God, we do want to do works for you, and I pray that you would help us to do that. God, maybe there are some who are going through the fire right now and they think you're not with them or don't care. God, help them to know that you do care. And God, even in the, the fiercest fires, you can work good. You can strengthen us, God. You can strengthen our relationships. You can strengthen our marriage. You can strengthen our church through whatever fires that we may go through, dear Lord, to make us better, to make us stronger. And so, God, if any... And here in the midst of a fire right now, that they would just hold on tight and trust you, God, that they would not walk by what they see, but that they would walk by faith. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.